Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Venture. Is everybody excited about the Super Bowl? Yeah, not nearly the excitement there was two weeks ago. I'll just say that. Yeah, it's amazing how everybody's like, yeah, whatever at this point. Well, I'm excited as we uh, finish out this series, The Generous Life. And uh, I want to uh, encourage and applaud, especially those of you who've stuck with us the whole series, those of you who've done the daily text and have been tracking with the, the little journal and the daily reading. And I really wanna applaud you in that because nothing shapes us more than the word of God. And so allowing the word of God to speak to you every day on this topic, I think is one of the most important ways that we really allow our hearts and minds to be shaped in what scripture wants to teach us. And, and anytime you, you teach on any subject, you know, there's kind of two motivations in life. Uh, parenting, all of this, you feel it, that, you know, they, they talk about it when you're training an animal, you got the stick and the carrot. And we know the, the stick is kind of, you know, you get beat down with it a little bit, but then the carrot is, oh man, that, that good thing that you get to have. And a lot of times I think when we teach on generosity and giving, sometimes it can feel like the stick all the time. Like, oh yeah, I should do that. We should do that more. And yet when I read through scripture, so much of it around this topic is much more carrot. It's much more the things that God wants to do and wants to give in our lives. And so as we finish out today, I'm excited today because we're gonna talk about the blessings. What are the blessings that come from a generous life? The things that I believe God is promising and he wants to pour out over us and in us when we really embrace all that involves in generosity and what he's calling us to do. And if, if you look at it, there's the promise of blessing throughout scripture. In fact, uh, you can see in your notes, the promises of blessing are based on our level of generosity. Now this is the part that makes it a little uncomfortable. There's some key promises of blessing where God says, yeah, I want to bless you. Look how he puts it in Luke 6:38. Jesus said these words. He says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be the measured back to you. Now, this analogy doesn't really strike us because we don't shop in the same way they did. He's talking to people, remember it's agrarian society, and especially if you were buying or selling grain. And you can go some to markets around the world today where you'll still see the grain that's, that's put out there. And you wanted to go and buy your grain from someone who was not stingy, that pressed down, shaken together. It's talking about like when the grain is there, they would scoop it up. And so you'd have this cup full of grain that you're gonna purchase. 
But you wanted a vendor that not just scooped it up, he would then press it down so that you got more room that was there and then put some more on top of it. And then they would shake it. You want them to shake it so it settles down so there's that much more. And ultimately, you, you wanted it that they would then scoop it up and pour it so it was overflowing at the end. They had pressed it down. They had shaken it together. It's overflowing. And, and what they would do is, is take their robe and catch the parts that overflowed. That was kind of that extra that you got to have when you made that purchase. Now, everybody wanted to purchase from that kind of vendor. Because you knew, man, there's a generosity in this. And, and what Jesus is saying, yeah, this is our generous God. Man, he wants to overflow blessing in your life. But he's looking at us and going, are you stingy on the other side? Do you hold back? Oh, you, you want this overflowing blessing? But, but you kind of look at it and, and there's a part of it that he goes, I want to see, are you willing to step out and be generous in your life? Now you go, well, you sure on that, Tim? Because again, this makes us uncomfortable. Anytime we start talking about blessings in this way, look how Paul puts it. We've, we've gone over this verse almost every week, but look how Paul puts it. He says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Unless you think he's talking about anything else, he ties it right to our giving. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart. God's not forcing it on you. He says, don't, don't turn it into this stick. Here's the carrot part of it. He says, each one decides in his heart, not reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He says, but if you look up there, there's a sowing and a reaping and they are tied together. You, you, you can't expect to sow on 10 acres and get a hundred acre return. I mean, that would be so rare with it. I mean, there, there's a principle that, especially in this society, they would go, yeah, I know exactly what he's talking about here. Of do you step out and do you sow with an expectation of reaping? And again, as you, you look at this, in both of these passages, there's, there's a part of it where God's looking at us and, and he says, hey, I want to bless you. And in fact, the greatest limiter on the blessings might be you. Because you don't take him at his word. And you don't trust him enough with it. And we want this manifold return, but do we trust enough? Where, where God says in this case, Hey, here's a category. I want to see, will you step out? Will you go first? And we look at God and we go, well, no, you go first. And he looks at us and says, oh, I've already gone first. Look at all I've given you. In fact, I gave you everything you own. And on top of life and health and eternity in Christ. So let's go back to this one area here, your finances. You trust me enough that you'll go and you'll actually believe there's blessing with it. Now, anytime we talk about these blessings, we kind of always want to avoid two extremes. There's two extremes we want to avoid. And, and it's part of the reason maybe you feel uncomfortable now as we dive into this topic. The, the first extreme is when we only give as a means of getting more from God. When we do a give to get, 
That's, that's all, that's our motivation in it. That's why we went into it and we go, I'm just gonna get more because I wanna get more from God. And, and enough of us, you've, maybe if you've been around church or you sometimes on TV, you'll see some independent ministries and others, they really apply these principles all the time. It feels very much a give to give. And they'll tell you if you sow your seed offering to them, if you heard this one, they go, sow a seed offering. If you send a hundred dollars in, and then I'm gonna promise you today, you're gonna to get 10 times return on that. And they make these promises of that. And it's very much this kind of give to get. I, it's, it's a spiritual Ponzi scheme in my mind. It really is. I mean, the only person who really is getting seems to be the person who the seed offering goes to. And he gets a new plane and he gets a new, there's, there's a lot with it. We've seen this abused enough. And so as we look at that, we certainly don't wanna go there. We certainly wanna avoid any extreme especially even in our own hearts and minds where we think to ourselves, man, I've given this and now God is obligated to me. We can do this not just with money, we can do it in other areas. Sometimes we do it with prayer. If I pray enough, man, I put enough prayers in the spiritual vending machine, God is now obligated to give me what I'm praying for. Guys, God has never obligated us. God, remember, he went first. He's already given. He's given everything to us. So we don't ever give as some form that we want to obligate God to us and we're going to automatically get from it. We always want to avoid that extreme. And you avoid that kind of teaching. You avoid people that are manipulated in that way. If you, you, you hear that kind of thing, man, turn it. Don't, don't stick with it. Because if the teaching always goes back to that, that's something that you go, Paul always talked about, there's a lot of false teachers that love going around and they would use this for their financial gain. So we avoid that. But there's another extreme. Let's go to the other side of it. The other extreme is when we fail to believe that a life of generosity actually leads to blessing from God. There's, there's two ditches we wanna stay out of. One is certainly the, the give to get, but guys, there's another ditch over here and it's probably the one we're guilty more in our churches and Bible churches than that. Where we almost go to the ditch where we don't talk about blessing at all. Everything just be what you should do in life. And we don't actually believe when God makes these promises that he actually wants to give, that he actually wants to pour over, press down, shake it together. He's the type of God that wants it pouring into our laps with that. In fact, if, if you look in scripture, you know, that Malachi verse and, and the stick part of it, he's talking to the children of Israel. Remember, they were under the law of the tithe. He says, you're robbing from me. He says, you say, how have we robbed? He says, in your tithes and contributions, you're robbing from me. But then look how he flips it on the other side. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Again, I'm not using this verse because I believe we're under the same covenant and law with them. But look how when he's speaking to them, he says, hey, bring the full amount. And then look what he promises. And thereby put me to the test. He says, test if I'm actually true to my word, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down on you a blessing until there's no more need. God says, I, I want to bless you guys more but you keep holding back in this area because you don't really believe me. Look out, Jesus said it, in all the things I've shown to you that working hard, we may help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
the better life is giving than receiving. And, and there's times in this, and, and I just want to be careful because I never want to go into either one of these ditches. I don't want to go into a ditch that anybody ever feels manipulated or, or there's some kind of scheme that I'm going to give in order to get. I don't see that in scripture and I never obligate God. But here's the other side. I don't ever want to preach a Christianity where I don't take God at his word and I don't trust him for blessings. And I've talked to enough people and, I, and I've heard enough testimonies where they go, you know, when I really started taking God seriously in this area, man, I, it changed radical parts of my life. Radical ways that I saw God show up. But it, it took an act of faith to really believe him in that. And so as we look at these blessings, I want to just kind of walk you through categories of blessings because so much of it's not just financial blessings. We immediately go to, oh man, this is what he, he wants to pour out so many things in our life. Look at some of the categories of the blessings that are there. First one is spiritual blessings, spiritual blessings. These are the most fundamental ones. What is he doing in me? What is he doing through me? There's so many spiritual blessings. Let me give you just a couple of them. Generosity is a tangible way of growing in our personal faith in Christ. Our personal faith. And when I use that term faith, I'm not using it as an analogy for all of Christianity. Sometimes when we say we need to grow in the faith, it's almost a synonym for Christianity. You need to grow in every aspect of Christianity. I'm talking about specifically the category of faith itself. When Paul says there's faith, hope, and love, they're, they're different categories. They're different things with that. And faith is one of those categories, as you, you look at it, where we walk by faith and not by sight. Hebrews puts it this way. He says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. And so when I say talk about growing in faith, I'm, I'm talking about that specific category. Am I growing in trusting God with things I can't see? And I personally feel conviction about this because if you're like me, if you follow Jesus for a long time and, and you know, I know a lot about the Bible and I've studied it over the years and I've got a lot of experience in it. I find myself convicted at times that I'll look at my life and I realize, Tim, you are walking by knowledge and by experience more than you do by faith. You've been with Jesus long enough, you know enough about it and kind of rely on your experience, rely on your knowledge, rely on all those things and kind of shape life. And again, it's not that I'm doing anything bad, it's on good things, but there's this whole other category that God says, yeah, what would it look like to step out in faith this year? What's it look like to, to step out and trust me with something you can't see right now? Now, I think in my life and I think in, in, in our walk with it, one of the most tangible ways we grow by faith of really trusting God with what we can't see is in this area of finances. Because it forces us to take something tangible right in front of me that I can't see. I can't see the money that's in my bank account. I can see the numbers, I can see that. I can see that. And it's easy for me to hold on to it and walk by the sight of that. And God calls me and he says, hey, I, I want you to grow, I want you to be a man of faith. And this is a, a tangible way on a weekly, monthly, regular basis that you take what you can't see and you invest in what you can't, 
take what you can see and invest in what you can't. And that process of it, of doing it regularly in life, of trusting him and growing in it, helps us grow as people of faith. In fact, it's one of the most tangible acts that you will do in that. Not only that, through generosity, our character becomes more like Christ. We become more like Jesus. And again, this is one of those phrases we say all the time, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to do like Jesus did. And and I love the sentiment of it, but this is actually how to put it in action. How do I live like Jesus did? It's one of the reasons, you know, I've used this verse several times where Paul says, I want you to get excellent in your giving like the other parts of your character. Look how he puts it in 2 Corinthians 8. He says, as you excel in everything, in your faith, in your speech, in your knowledge, in all earnestness, in our love for you, he says, see that you excel in this act of grace also. If you look in the context here, this act of grace he's talking about is giving. He says, I want you to get excellent in this. As much as you want your faith and your speech and your knowledge to grow, you should be growing and giving. Now look at the reason why. I say this not as a command. Again, he's speaking to our hearts. He's speaking to, I want to step out in that. But to prove to you the earnestness of others that your love is genuine. genuine. For know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. I love that. He goes, hey, I want you to be excellent. I want you to give like this. Because that's how Jesus was. In fact, he was so generous, even though he was the richest and and God is the richest of all because he owns everything. For our sake, he became poor. And he lived poor. And he did a lifetime here in that. And, And you might look at it and you go, well, yeah, I mean, he just became poor for a lifetime on earth. Yeah, that's all he's asking of you either. It's just during this lifetime here, would I look at it in terms to go, how could I be like Jesus? And guys, there's so many things that Jesus could do that I can't do because he was God. But one of the few things I could imitate him exactly is he was generous. And I look at it and I go, yeah, I could do that. I, I could forego for the sake of others like Jesus did. That's what Paul says. He goes, man, I want you to be excellent in this. I would want this to be as much a part of your spiritual growth. Notice what he says, as your faith, as your speech, as your conduct, all those other areas when we talk about growing in Christ, man, we go to those areas quick. Paul says, hey, don't leave out giving because a core part of who Jesus was, he was generous. And you and I have the opportunity to imitate him like that. Again, I I could do a whole series on the spiritual blessings that come out of this. Let me me move to a different category. The the generosity of of emotional blessings. And the first one is generosity helps us move from financial anxiety to a place of trust in our Father. One of the emotional blessings is generosity is one of those doors to help us move from that place that we're anxious all the time about money. Now, it seems counterintuitive when I say that. Because if you start giving away, you have less and you're probably anxious because you don't feel like you have enough. And so you look at it and you go, man, this works opposite. Many of the things in this category, by the way, are very counterintuitive. 
That's part of the reason we walk by faith. That's part of the reason God's stretching us in this. Now, it's, it's not a magic bullet. Oh man, I'll start giving and oh, I'm never anxious again. No, there's heart work that God's doing in it. And the heart work ultimately comes down to, can I trust him as father? Can I trust him as dad? That's why Jesus in that Matthew 6 passage, he says, there, don't be anxious about what we shall eat or drink, what we will wear. The Gentiles seek after these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. God knows what you need. So as I'm giving, as I'm trusting, as I'm moving to that place, I'm learning to realize, can I trust God or am I always gonna trust my resources? And giving and generosity is one of those core ways where I seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be added to you. God will take care of you. Dad's got you. And that process of learning to trust him through that. Uh, Rich Stearns, he led World Vision for a number of years, but he was a businessman originally, very successful businessman. Listen, though, I, I want you to listen to just a crisis he went through. He said in 1987, the largest single-day stock market crash since 1929 took place. In one day, my wife Renee and I lost more than one-third of our life savings and the money we had put aside for our kids' college education. I was horrified and became like a man obsessed, each night working past midnight, analyzing on spreadsheets all that we had lost, and the next day calling in orders to sell our remaining stocks and mutual funds to prevent further losses. Of course, that turned out to be the absolute worst thing I could have done. I was consumed with anguish over our lost money and it showed. One night when I was burning the midnight oil, Renee came and sat beside me. Honey, she said, this thing is consuming you in an unhealthy way. It's only money. We have our marriage, our health, our friends, our children, and a good income. We have so much to be thankful for. You didn't need uh, you need to let go of this and trust God. Rich writes, don't you hate it when someone crashes your pity party? <laughs> I didn't want to let go of it. I told her I felt responsible for our family and she didn't understand. It was my job to worry about things like this. Anybody relate to this? She, says, she suggested we pray about it. Something that hadn't occurred to me. So we did. At the end of the prayer to my bewilderment, bewilderment, Renee said, now I think we need to go get the checkbook and write some big checks to our church and the ministries we support. We need to show God that we know this is his money and not ours. I was flabbergasted at her audacity, but in my heart I knew she was right. So we sat down that night and we wrote some sizable checks. We put them in envelopes and we sealed them. And that's when I felt the wave of relief. We had broken the spell that money had cast over me. It freed me from the worries that had consumed me. I actually felt reckless and almost giddy. And I said, God, please catch us because we just took a crazy leap of faith. These stories are not as rare as you think. 
As a pastor over the years, I've talked to so many people that God brings them to a place, sometimes through crisis, sometimes through blessing. And in that place, he says, hey, would you trust me enough that you would take this step of faith? And and part of it, and, and the thing I want you to take away the most of it, that sense of relief that you suddenly realize I'm carrying a worry all the time about something that's ultimately not in my control. And so I'm gonna choose to trust dad and experience the blessing of that. With that as well, generosity helps us develop contentment. And again, contentment based on our dependence on him. There's a a contentment. The key of all of it, if I can learn contentment, man, I am so free in life. When, When you learn to be content with what he has given, there's this freedom that comes out of that. In fact, it was interesting. I was looking at a couple of verses around this topic of contentment. And there's two lines in each of these verses that we quote all the time. But we usually don't quote them in the context of money. We kind of quote them in other areas. Look look at the first one, Hebrews 13, 5. He says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, and here's the line. We quote this line all the time, but I usually don't hear people connect it to contentment and money. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise I hold on to all the time. I mean, there's times when I'm facing things I go, he said he'll never leave or forsake. I love though that the writer Hebrews said, yet because you have that promise, it's one of the greatest freedoms that you have to actually live in contentment. That I don't have to love money because Jesus is never gonna leave me. Jesus will never forsake me. He says, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What What can any person do to me? if he's promised never to leave me. Look how Paul puts it in Philippians chapter four. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, I've learned in whatever situation, I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. He's talking about both ends of the spectrum. He says, I've had times where I have a lot and times when I don't have a lot. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. He says, what's the secret that you can be content no matter which extreme you live in? Here's the secret. And again, this is a line we quote all the time, usually not connected to contentment. It's usually like what I can overcome and all these things. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Great verse. I hold on to that verse all the time. The context of the verse, Paul says is, Because you can do anything through him who strengthens you, you could actually be content in life no matter if you have a little or if you have a lot. See, it's a contentment not based on the fact that I have enough. It's based on the fact he's enough. Man, when I realize he's enough. Generous people are not just people they have big bank accounts invariably generous people are people who have big views of God. And the bigger God gets, the more you realize, oh, he's got me no matter what. He'll never leave me. And whether I'm high or low, I can do all things through Christ. He's strengthening me in this. And I'm learning through this to not have a contentment based on an amount that I think is enough, but to have a contentment on a God who's more than enough and always will be. It's one of the greatest blessings that comes out of this. 
As well, generosity helps us move from guilt to gratitude. It helps us move from guilt to gratitude. This is one of the key parts of it. This is one of the things that, that I, I would hope you embrace the most. In fact, this whole time as we've been preaching over these several weeks, some of you, you felt guilty every week. Every week, as soon as this topic comes up, as soon as you think about it a little bit, you start feeling guilty again. I, I would just ask you, what is your own heart and life trying to tell you? Maybe it's an area that, that you've been carrying that too long. One of the things I love about Christianity, there's absolutely no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I love that we have a God whose mercies are new every morning. I love that he makes a promise. And maybe this is an area you feel guilty because honestly, you're not approaching in a way that honors him. And, and he says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. He loves to forgive. He doesn't want you carrying something you weren't meant to carry. And so part of this is, how do I move from a place that I feel this all the time, that I would trust him, because he doesn't want you under that. He wants you to move, and so that, and here's the other part that comes with it. A lot of times when we don't really address this whole area, when God blesses us, and we have these abundant things in our life, we actually feel guilty about them. I know people that they, they feel guilty all the time. I had a good friend of mine. He, he was able to get this deal on a sports car he always wanted. But he never would drive it. And every time I'd ask you, well, I just, you know, what would people think? And, you know, I mean, I, and you look at it and you go, I, I don't think God thinks that way. In fact, look how he puts it in Timothy. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them, don't be haughty. You don't, don't, you don't look down on anybody. Remember, it all came from God. Don't set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Remember, we just talked about that. That's a recipe for discontentment. If you're, you're resting on your riches, you're gonna worry all the time. I don't care how much money you have, you'll worry all the time. He says, don't do that. But trust in God, and look at this line, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. I mean, part of it, the reason that he wants us to experience this life of generosity is not only for what we can bless others with, but we can actually start to enjoy the blessings he's given us. He's never called you to feel guilty for blessings he gave, but he does call you to be grateful. To have a heart of thanks. To be grateful for the things that he's given. Grateful for what it means for you. Grateful for the opportunities. And then on top of that, grateful that we can actually use these gifts in the lives of others. That's one of the most fun parts of it. That's why I love being in a church like this that is generous. That is outward facing. That even as we celebrated this morning. I mean, we went to a Christmas offering hoping we could do one apartment. And you more than doubled that. I mean, I look over the, the last two Christmas Eves, that's over $100,000 given to City Team on top of regular giving so that they can renovate apartments to help families stay together as they're getting off the street. I look at during COVID, when, when we had the whole COVID fund, we asked you to just give money on top of regular giving and over half a million dollars, $500,000 was just given to the COVID fund. And during that year and a half, we were able just to give it away. 
of people that were in crisis because they lost their job, because they couldn't go to work, because they had faced illness with that. Just to be able to give that away, can you believe the, the gratitude of just getting to be a part of that, that we get to do that. We have a benevolence team. It's one of the teams I love here, Wayne Niblack and the others that lead that team. Benevolence is just people that are in crisis and they come to us at times at crisis. And out of that benevolence fund, here's what I love about that team. They don't just give away money, they work with the people. How did you get in crisis? Man, are there cycles here? How can we help intervene? And they come in all different ways. We get to work with, with that team. We get to work sometimes it's through our, our Spanish-speaking ministry, Venture in Espanol. In fact, we had a story recently of a family that went through that. And, and I want you to see, and, and I hope as you're watching this, every time when I watch it, man, I'm so grateful we get to be a part of that, of what God's doing. Watch with me this story. Hola. Eh, mi nombre es Ignacio Ramos, eh, originario de Honduras, eh, casado, uh, dos hijos. A year ago, my niece, living in Mexico, really needed medical help. Her parents could not get that for her in Mexico. They tried to bring her here for medical care, but their immigration papers were denied. I was faced with the decision of adopting her. I didn't know what to do. My work as a painter was unstable. Some days I would work, and some days I would not. I was married with two kids, and paying rent with my own family was already a challenge. My life was difficult and complicated. I was abandoned by my mom and dad as a baby. I didn't meet my real mom until I was 13. I grew up with a lot of pain that was still affecting me. Last year, I was going to parties, not caring about my kids, not caring about where they were or what they were doing. I was doing things I shouldn't be doing, and I was uncertain about taking my niece in with how my life was going. Her medical needs were so great, I knew in my heart I needed to take a leap of faith and adopt her. So I did. I was able to get the medical help that she needed, but it left me with a lot of debt. I was desperate for help to pay those bills. The immigration paperwork listed places that can help. I tried some and was turned away. Venture Christian Church was also listed as a possible place to get help. I went and I knocked on the door to the church. Someone answered who couldn't speak Spanish. They could have sent me away, but they didn't. They found someone who can translate for me. They seemed to really care and ask a lot of questions about what I needed. Without even knowing me, they did not hesitate to help. Then I was connected with Wayne and Rigo. They came to my house and met with me and my family. They said they would help with the medical bills. They even said they would help with the rent. I couldn't believe this was happening. They didn't even know me. They invited me to venture in Espanol that Sunday. When they noticed I didn't show up at church, they called me back. They said they wanted me to come to a social event, a car show at Venture. They told me to bring my family and that we would have a good time. I had never been to a church before, but I decided to come to this event with my family. I met a very kind man named Victor from Spanish Service. I was feeling so much peace around everyone I was meeting. I had never been treated like this before. Then Wayne and Rigo called me back, inviting me to church again. They were so concerned about me spiritually and my relationship with God, I could tell they wanted to give me more than just financial help. The next Sunday, I went to church and brought my family. 
We felt so comfortable in this community. I experienced more peace and kindness. I could feel the love of God. Everyone was inviting us to do something after. My kids were invited to youth group, and I was invited to a men's group. Not only were they taking care of us financially, but they cared about my family spiritually. Not long after starting Inventure in Español, I was connected with Billy, who offered me a job painting full-time. I've been working with Billy now for seven months. It is the best job I have ever had. There is brotherhood here. The guys are knowledgeable in the Word of God and help me grow in my faith. Taking in my niece was the best thing I had ever done because it led me to this church and all the blessings in my life now. I don't even want to go out drinking. I want to be at home now with my family. I am amazed that Venture went through all of this to help me spiritually so that I could meet God and grow in my relationship with Him. I changed because the people around me have changed. God is helping me to let go of my past. I have seen my wife change and my kids change too. We have so much more peace in our home. Now I am bringing people to Venture because I want to share with others the peace that has been shared with me. Thank you, Venture, for your love and generosity. It has changed my life. I don't know about you, I, I look at that and I'm just so grateful that we get to be a part of that, that, that we get to share with others. The final category of blessing, and it's the one that we talk about the least, but it's there, it's financial blessing. There's financial blessing that comes out of it. First of all, a life of generosity helps us align our finances according to God's wisdom. When you start getting your life in line with how scripture teaches your finances, and teaches about money, you'd be amazed just, just listening to the wisdom of scripture. So many people have said, man, I was in debt or I was living this way. And when I started applying biblical principles to it, it helped me plan out. That's part of what Proverbs is saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart, don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways, your financial ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. I mean, lest you think, oh, is he really talking about finances? Look what he says just a couple of verses later. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. I, I would just encourage you as you have a plan, as you start applying biblical wisdom in this area, it may be the thing that you need to apply most of all. So many people cannot live a life of generosity because they're not living a life of wisdom. And until you apply the wisdom around it, it frees you that much more to be generous in it. I, I would encourage you. In fact, I, I had a, a financial advisor in our church. He emailed me yesterday and he said, hey, we, we've got this do-it-yourself plan that people can use and it helps them evaluate all the different areas, helps them think through that. And he wants to do it anonymously. He's not doing it in some way. If you let me know, email, email the church. You go, yeah, I'd want that plan. That would help me with it. I'll be glad to send it to you. And again, he, he's not doing it because it's some connection. There's no financial. It's a, he wants it anonymous in that way. Here's his motivation though. He goes, I've seen so many people experience freedom when they start doing this. I just want them to share it with others. The second thing financially as well is a life of generosity can lead to financial blessings so that we can be a greater blessing to others. God 
loves to bless the world and he chooses people that have this heart of generosity, he pours out more through it. In fact, did you know there's a spiritual gift of giving? When we talk about the spiritual gifts, there's gifts of prophecy and teaching, of mercy, all the different spiritual gifts. In Romans 12, it's interesting. Look what Paul puts in there. He's talking about the spiritual gifts. He says, God's given different gifts and he kind of goes through the gifts. He says, serving, if you have the gift of serving, then serve with them. If you're a teacher, then teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. And then he says, leadership ability, lead responsibility. I mean, the, all the different gifts, this is one of the gifts we don't talk about as much. But I will tell you as a pastor, I've seen those that have the spiritual gift of giving. People that they, they this generosity captures them in a way and they radically do it in a way. And I've seen also in that where God radically blesses because he knows they are a conduit of giving to the kingdom and the world. Now, I know a lot of you right now go like, I want that spiritual gift. Here's the thing about spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit determines who has what gift. But I would say, I think there are probably more people that have the gift of giving than they even realize. And you go, okay, well, lay it on me, God, so that I can start giving. That's not how it works. Everybody I've seen that has this gift, they were generous even when they had a little. It was a part of their heart and life. And as God kept pouring out and they kept growing in that, they just kept that and kept giving more and more. And maybe that's you. Again, I never want to teach this stuff that, boy, if you give, you're going to get financial blessings. Scripture doesn't guarantee. Remember, we're not obligated on that part. If you will live your life according to scriptural principles of finances, I promise you it'll bring freedom and probably bring more margin than you've had in your life with that. I can promise you that part. I can promise you as well that God does love to pour out and he loves those who are a conduit to giving in that. And I've seen it and I've heard too many stories with it. So I never want to shy away from pointing out what I see God do in radical ways. And I'd encourage you, step out in faith in that. And maybe you're more of a conduit than you realize. Final one, the promise of eternal rewards is clearly connected to our generosity here. I mean, over and over we saw it in scripture. He says, man, if you're generous, there's that much more in eternity with it. And again, I'll talk to some people sometimes and they're like, we shouldn't talk about eternal rewards. We should be happy enough. We're just gonna go to heaven and be with Jesus. And I go, of course we should. We didn't deserve that. But he talks about them a lot. God actually thinks they're motivating. And part of it is, he, he looks at it and says, look how Jesus put it. I, I love, he says, don't lay up your treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in. Look at it, he says, lay up for yourselves. Store it up. Take me at my word. I think one of the most motivating things in life is actually believing that God wants to reward so his disciples in Matthew 16, Jesus is talking to him and he says about the rich and it's hard for a rich person. And Peter kind of speaks up because they were all hoping to cash in then. 
They thought Jesus was going to set up the kingdom then. They were like, hey, what about us? We followed you. We gave up everything. What about us? And Jesus looks at him and he says, hey, you don't have to worry about it. In my father's kingdom, you're going to rule on thrones. You're going to be blessed hundredfold with it. There's blessing coming, guys. You just got to trust me now. And I would encourage you, as you start studying eternal rewards, you know, I've, I've done a drama here before, the Bema about the, the, the judgment seat of Christ. Everybody keeps telling me I need to do it again. Maybe I do before I get too old, I'll forget it. But in it, I, what's motivating about it is thinking about my life in light of eternity. Thinking about it in a way, and here's what I found as I get older. When you start investing in something, you start thinking about it more. There's some of you, you're near enough to retirement now, you're kind of thinking about it. And you kind of like the thought. I mean, you put the money aside and you're thinking about what you can do with that. Now, I had way too many kids and I had them way too late. So, you know, while you're thinking about retirement, I'm still trying to get them through college with it. But that's okay because that's that part of it. See, you've invested so you can start seeing life on the other side with it. And I think there's a key part of this with eternity. As we've invested here, and we invest in eternity, we start thinking about it more. We start thinking about our home more. And it's one of the greatest blessings that come when I start living for that day instead of this day. Guys, as we finish out, I just got a few questions for you. And this is for the whole series. One, do you want to experience God's blessing that comes through generosity? Do you really want to experience this? I would hope as you hear this, you hear talking about it and we're just doing a survey through scripture. There's a part of you that goes, yes, I want that. I want that. I want that. I want the spiritual blessing. I want the emotional blessing. I want the financial blessing. I want the eternal blessing. I want that. So here's the question then. What is preventing you from living a generous life right now? What's holding you back? Because as we saw, God's not the limiter. He's the pressed down, shaken together, pour over so it's overflowing into your lap, God. Who's the limiter in this equation? And maybe you just need to sit down and just go, hey, the reality is I'm afraid and I need to release that fear to God. Or the reality is it's just a subject, I won't even go there. I, I talk to couples at times and sometimes I'll have one spouse that comes and says, man, I want to live this way, but my wife or my husband, it's just a closed conversation. They won't even talk about it. Guys, if you have something that closed off, you're running from something. And it may be the Holy Spirit who wants to get a hold of your heart in this. For some people, you just don't have a plan. And because you don't have a plan, it doesn't happen. And so as you look at this final question, do you have a plan to grow in this area or are you just hoping it happens? Do you, do you have an actual plan that you sit down and you go, you know what, this is what I'm gonna start giving. This is what I'm gonna set aside. This is what I'm gonna do on it. And you start actually doing the plan. Or do you kind of hear a whole series like this and you go, oh man, those are all good things. And Jesus just captured my heart and I hope this happens one day. I can promise you this, you'll keep doing what you've been doing. And, and so if you want to take God at his word, again, I encourage each one of you, spend some time alone with the Holy Spirit. Spend some time as a couple. 
Ask yourself, what, what is preventing? And then ask yourself, what would it look like to actually put this in action? Not because I've got some stick telling me I'm doing all the wrong things, but because I got all these blessings right in front of me that God wants to literally pour over you because he's that kind of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the blessing. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a God that we cannot outgive. You are more generous than we could ever fathom. And yet you've called us to step out by faith and be generous people, to step out by faith and live with an eye toward eternity, to step out by faith and live for a kingdom that we cannot see today, but we trust you. Lord, I pray for each person here. I pray if there's anything holding them back, they would recognize it and confess it. I pray that each of us would grow in our faith and step out further. I pray that you would use this in our life so that we can experience the blessing that you want to pour over us. And we pray these in the name of the greatest blessing of all, the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.